You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Well, Usain Bolt is a name that is synonymous with speed and athleticism. Widely regarded as the greatest sprinter of all time, arguably the greatest Olympic champion of all time, his achievements on the track are nothing short of extraordinary. He was born in rural Jamaica and showed an early talent. His soccer and cricket coaches quickly recognized his potential and encouraged him to run. By age 15, he won gold in the 200 meters at the 2002 World Junior Championships, becoming the youngest champion in that event. And that began an unprecedented 16 years of international dominance. He won Olympic gold eight times to go with his 11 World Championship gold medals. And he's the only person to take gold at three consecutive Olympics in two of the most prestigious events, both the 100 and the 200. And for perspective here, no one else in history has two Olympic gold medals in the 200. And Usain Bolt won it three Olympics in a row. He's the world record holder in both of those events along with the four by one relay, just astoundingly fast human being. However, Bolt's final race, his last time running competitively, it did not go as planned. In the 2017 World Championships in London, during the anchor leg of the 4 by one relay, the fastest man in the world was stopped cold. He suffered a torn hamstring, and as you can imagine, he collapsed and writhed in agony and disappointment. This is the last time the world saw him on the track, lying face down in defeat. And shortly afterward, Usain Bolt announced his retirement from competitive running. People fall all the time while running races. It's actually a fascinating YouTube rabbit hole to explore. (laughs) My daughter Tatum runs track, and so we've watched a lot of track and field events on YouTube. I'm not saying to root against anyone or wish for their failure, But I got to admit, it's a little bit cathartic to see these highly trained and chiseled athletes suddenly flailing to the ground. At the most recent Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Dutch distance runner Sifan Hassan fell during the last lap of the 1,500-meter race. And she got up to win the race. Unbelievable. I personally don't know how to reconcile that story with Newton's laws of motion. Because if I was laying face down, the, like, it's highly unlikely my next action would be winning some sort of race. This body tends to stay at rest, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt, and I am not a runner. <laughs> but I am one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and it's really good to see you all at church today. 
If we haven't met, I would love to get connected with you today. Come and say hello. If you're joining us on the live stream, thanks for tuning in. And our prayer is that you would experience God wherever you are, just like we're experiencing him here in this room. And I'm excited today to be continuing our summer series, working through the book of Romans. And as long as there have been people, there has been racing. It's one of the earliest forms of human competition as we pursue a finish line, a gold medal or a prize. In the words of the famous racing philosopher Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you're last. And I'd like to use racing metaphor from the Apostle Paul's writings today in a message titled God's Way. So let's look together at Romans chapter 9. If you have your phone, let's go to votrweekly.org and you can follow the scripture and sermon notes there. If you have your Bible, turn there, Romans chapter 9, or it'll be on the screen behind me. We're going to start in verse 30. It says, what does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Keep cruising right on into chapter 10. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result... All who believe in him are made right with God. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, he's the race organizer. He planned all the details. He set the course. And he ran the race perfectly. Yet so often we... We try and change the whole thing to meet our own terms. Can you imagine entering a marathon and showing up on race day and moving the starting line? <laughs> like there's a whole crowd of people looking for it because you moved it. And then changing the entire race course so that it's not so long. Now that I mentioned that, that could work for me. I'd, I could run that marathon. But it would not go over well. Just this week, defending champion of the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta 
was 150 meters away from winning the 10K. And she followed a security motorcycle off the course. Like if she would have just raised her eyes and looked, she could see the finish line. She had been running for a half an hour without stopping, and a four-second mistake cost her the whole race and a $7,000 prize. Because she doesn't get to decide which way to go. She entered the race and had to run the course that they set. So why do we think that we can do that with God in the race with eternal results? I mean, we don't, we don't say it out loud, but if you check the GPS on our spiritual running tracker, it'll betray the fact that so often we're running our own race on our own terms, not God's way. And this is not a new phenomenon. People were moving the starting line and revising the race course and aiming at the wrong finish line, for crying out loud, way back in the Apostle Paul's day and even before that. So I want to look at these three points from our text, the starting line, the race course, and the finish line. Number one, the starting line. Let's look back at chapter 9. Those first few verses that we read, it says, What does all this mean, even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards? Or literally, they, they didn't even enter the race. The Gentiles were not running after God at this time. And what does it say? It says they were made right with God. They got there. And it was by faith that this took place. Faith was their starting line. Verse 31, but the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God, they were sprinting. They were straining and striving after God by keeping the law, it says. They never succeeded. They never reached the finish line. Why not? The text says, because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law or by their works, by what they were doing, instead of by trusting him. They moved the starting point. They believed that the start was keeping the law, that the only hope of approaching God was to get all cleaned up and presentable and then to come to him, that following all the rules was the price of admission. But if you're lined up at the wrong line, you might start running, but you're not running the race. You're not running the right race. It, it can't be right when your first step is wrong. And the law, referring to the Ten Commandments or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it was never intended to be the starting line for our relationship with God. If we go way back to the beginning of the story, to Father Abraham, who is called a friend of God, well, in Genesis Chapter 15, it says, Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, 
believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Do you see that? He was counted righteous because of his faith. His faith was the starting point. Before the law was even given, a thousand years before God etched the commandments into those two stone tablets, Abraham was counted right with God because of his faith. And then when God does give the law to Moses, it's after a relationship with his people had already started. Look at the preface to the Ten Commandments, the verse right before those famous rules. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then God gave the people all these instructions, and check this out. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And then he goes on to give those Ten Commandments. Notice what God didn't say. It was not, hey, if you follow these Ten Rules, then you can be my people. No. He said, I'm your God. You're my people. I created you, chose you, rescued you from bondage, and set you free. And now, in light of the fact, here are my instructions. The law was given by the Redeemer's grace, given to people that he had already redeemed. He didn't give the law so that by keeping it, they might hope to be rewarded with redemption. They were redeemed. This isn't a revision of God's original plan for his people. This doesn't mark a change from the old covenant to the new. From the beginning, the starting line has never been keeping the law. It has always been faith. Faith for Abraham and Moses. Faith for the apostle Paul and Peter. And the starting line is faith for us today. Secondly, if we're going to run this race God's way, we need to follow the race course. Let's look again at our text, starting in chapter 10 this time, verse 2. It says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. That one hurts a little. Verse 3, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Just like that 10K runner, it's, it's all too easy to get off course. As we run, especially the longer we run, it's so easy to go off course. Paul's not talking hypothetically here. This was, this was his story. His past was filled with misdirected zeal. He was so enthusiastic about following God. He was actively persecuting the followers of Jesus. Paul was doing everything he could to stop the people who were sharing the gospel of Christ until Jesus himself appeared to him on the road to Damascus and interrupted him and opened his eyes, or rather closing them at first, like literally temporarily blinding him so that he could see just how far off course he was. And it broke his heart to watch other people just as zealous for God 
go astray. Guys, this is, this is just as heartbreaking today. Watching people work passionately for God and not even realize that they're actually working against Him. Running the opposite direction. Verse 3 says that they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Even though God has made it clear there's nothing we can do to make ourselves clean. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's, it's really common that when you ask someone why they'll get into heaven, for their answer to be about their actions, about what they do or what they don't do. For their answer to be their good deeds their passionate cause, social justice, or compassion, the way they help the poor, or donate to the food bank, or clean water initiatives, or volunteer. All of these things are amazing. It's all good things. And people can become very zealous about great things. But if it is zeal that doesn't start with the gospel of Christ, then it leads you away from God and not into right standing with him. If we keep going in verse 3, it says, refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way. Even in the face of the beautiful gift of God's grace, people are prone to double down on their own efforts to earn it. As if establishing a good reputation with God will do the trick. They work even more fervently. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, The greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit which makes men look to themselves for salvation. When we misunderstand God's way, we often insist on our own way. We can plot the course all we want. But God's not running our race as if our good deeds could ever outpace God's grace. We can't flip the script on the Almighty. Did you guys know that the most commonly played song at funerals in America is Sinatra's My Way? Frank Sinatra, My Way. It's according to a recent poll of U.S. funeral directors. And I'm a little surprised that it's not Amazing Grace or It Is Well With My Soul or another classic hymn like John Francis Bongiovi Jr.'s beloved Blaze of Glory. <laughs> the fact that my way is chosen more than any other song to be the soundtrack and summary of someone's life and death is pretty telling. Just listen to some of these lyrics. I mean, regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Hey, if that's your jam, then 
You can croon with old blue eyes all you want. It's, it's good. But just keep in mind that Proverbs 14 says that there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. And it's possible that my way isn't all it's cracked up to be. Maybe God has something to say about the course that he has created for the people that he has redeemed. And what's wild to me is that even when we are completely off course, he continues to invite us back into the race, back into his way, back to the starting line of faith. It's only then that our good deeds find their purpose of worship and glory overflowing from our hearts of gratitude to God as we live in response to who he is and all that he's done for us. So number one, the starting line. Number two, the race course. And, and finally, number three, the finish line. Verse 4 says, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. A more literal English translation of that verse might read something like, For Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone who is believing. End here is translated from the word telos. It's one of those rare Greek words that kind of floats around in business schools and American vocabulary. It has a double meaning. And I think both are intended here. It means that Christ is the end of the law, as in, that's the end of that. You know, no longer do we keep kosher or circumcised converts or sacrifice animals, can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? But it also means that Jesus is the goal of the law. The goal of the law, the ultimate purpose or the aim of the law was Jesus himself. That's why the NLT version says that he accomplished the purpose. He finished the race because he is the finish line. Like, he rolled out of bed one morning and was like, oh, I win. That's it. If only, if only it were that easy, because the finish line that Christ provides is his ultimate sacrifice. He ran the perfect race that we could never run all the way to death on the cross. And, and here's the rub. Keeping the law doesn't culminate in some mystical self-actualization or attainment of self-righteousness. The law was given to confront you, to compare your corruption with Christ's incandescent glory. The reality of the gospel is that you have to stop striving to gain God's approval and admit that you can't possibly accomplish it and throw yourself 
and his mercy. This is the essence of Christianity. That we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. But more accepted and loved than we ever dared hope. That's why it makes me sad when people think that Christians are self-righteous. Because we sound way more like Sinatra than Jesus. When we run after God our way, we'll surely fall long before the finish line, tripping over Jesus himself, who was laid down as the cornerstone but became a stumbling stone. As it says in verse 33, Paul wrote, God warned them of this in the scriptures when he said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. This warning in the scriptures that Paul is referring to is taken from the book of Isaiah. There are two different verses that talk about a stone that God is placing Paul mashes up both of these verses in his quotation to make a point. In Isaiah 28, the stone is the foundation of the new temple that is yet to be built. And the prophet Isaiah is pointing to a coming king who will be the human foundation for a great community of people. But in Isaiah 8.14, the prophet declares that God's rebellious people, that he'll place a stone in front of them that will make them trip and fall over. Even when God does something good, like even when he provides for his people, those who are bent on rebellion will find a trap. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says, by bringing these two passages together, Paul has cleverly used a combined biblical text to say that now the foundation of God's new building has been laid, but that those who don't believe in him, the Messiah, who is the foundation, will trip over this stone and fall flat on their faces. So is Christ your cornerstone, the end game, the ultimate purpose, the finish line? You don't have to stumble over him due to self-righteousness anymore. Because back in Isaiah 28, the prophet ends that passage with the promise that Paul uses to tie both of these ideas together. The promise that's good news for us today. It says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And if you've never done that before, putting your faith in Jesus. You can do it today and you'll be welcomed into the family of God. You'll be invited to run the race differently as a result of your sure place in the royal family. Run not to get in, but because you are in. Let's pray together.